right, so uh, still season three. Yeah, we're still here, season three. Uh, I kind of I like season three. It's going along pretty well. Yeah. But we'll get to a season four maybe someday, too. I mean, we will. Oh, we definitely will. Yeah. Probably coming out of the summer, the summer or maybe. second half of the summer. Yeah. yeah. It's still technically spring right now. Yeah, in season four, we're going to do the podcast in French. We're going to do our best. We've to, been learning. We've been trying so hard. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Yeah. But until then. Until then. There's stuff to talk about in English. We are talking about clothes today. That's it, huh? That's our ca- we do have a category. I didn't want to wait. No, thanks. You're welcome. I hadn't thought, but if I had thought for a second, I could have figured it out. Yeah. Because both of mine are clothing. Right. Same here. How <laughs> oh, 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 convenient. <laughs> Thanks right. for listening, everybody. <laughs> no, yeah, thanks. Do you mind if I go first? Not at all, please. Are you sure? No, I, I would love to sit here for a minute. This is my brain's exploding. You got it. With facts. Fact explosion. You know, when I take facts in, it's like a puddle on the floor. Sorry. A fact puddle? Yeah, uh, and it evaporates somehow. I see. You know what I mean? Sure. So I'll have it. It's there. I'll go leave the room to get some bounty. Paper towels, quicker picker upper. Hold on, yards not sponsored by bounty. And I come back and some of the water has gone away already. Wait, I needed that. Yeah. I didn't sop it up yet. Like I just I just lost some droplets just yammering on about paper towels. So here I go. <laughs> Hurry. <laughs> we are talking about clothing. Yes. And this is a term that we say off the cuff. Yeah. Are you familiar with this term? Sure. Off the cuff. Yeah. How'd you come up with that? That was off the cuff. You just made it up, kind of, or mm-hmm. you just winged it. We did wing it, right? We did wing it, yeah, I did wing it. Yeah. And you like that show, Wings. I watched the, that show all the time growing up yeah all the time i loved wings i know now i know Uh, yeah yeah so uh off the cuff (laughs) this is one that has a story to it but it's not the story that you might completely think it is okay and I'm going to do this technique that I've used recently and use occasionally, and I'm sure you use as well, where I, I need to tell this story by going backwards mm-hmm. in time. Backwards mm-hmm. in time. So I'm going to start us off in 1948 uh, with some print uses. The yeah. Economist mm. in 1948 referred to uh, President Truman's off-the-cuff comment referring to uh, some uh, post-World War II uh, theater arrangements. Mm-hmm. 1944, Penguin New Writing. Mm-hmm. In that scene, shot off the cuff in a shockingly bad light, <laughs> there leapt out of the screen something of the real human guts and dignity. So shot off the cuff there, 1944. Mm-hmm. And they're using it in a way that we're supposed to understand that. No quotes or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So we're established. We know what off the cuff means by 1944. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Billboard 1942, they had begun a regular column that was called off the cuff. Yeah. This is 1942. Billboard magazine? Billboard magazine. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, so that appeared regularly. I have a clipping of an article with the header off the cuff uh, that we may share on social media. Oh, nice. If you can see, 
that that was jumping and the real deal. Um, I'm going to walk you back still because still there's back. a reason for this. 1941, we had in Time magazine. 1938, New York Panorama, also a, uh, a quote, shows us that we knew this phrase and we knew it well. No quotes. Off the cuff. Yeah. Gotcha. When I first started researching it, I came up with a lot of information that uh, accumulated in 1936. Okay. And when you find this information, you think, Viola, <laughs> I have arrived at the motherload of facts. Yeah. 1936, a motion picture featuring Charlie Chaplin. Oh, all right. You know, he directed and starred. Sure. This motion picture is available on a video platform near you for free to watch. Oh. I watched it. It's called Modern Times, Charlie Chaplin's film. Okay. In it, there's this scene where Charlie is about to go out and do a performance but hasn't fully rehearsed his song. Mm -hmm. And so this gal says hey, come off the side of the stage and, and we'll rehearse that song with you. Yeah. And he struggles to memorize the lyrics and she has the idea, let's write those lyrics on your cuff. That way you could glance down Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you'll remember it. So they do this and he rehearses it once like this and it's brilliant and he loves it and he thanks her. Then the band's playing and he has to head out onto stage to do it. Yeah. But when he gets out there, he does a little dance number where he flails his arms. And, Ray, I, I, this is something I'm going to get to, but I don't know if you know this. Like, uh, I think you do. People used to wear, you know, a jacket, but they didn't want to wear a whole shirt. Yeah. Sometimes they would, they would have these cuffless shirts, or sometimes they would have, I'll get to, these paper cuffs that went over or substituted for cuffs so that you could just replace a, a white, sharp-looking cuff every day yeah. made out of paper. I did not know that. And uh, collars did that, too. I think they did it first with collars, then they added the cuffs. Oh, we need to bring that back. It's <laughs> sweaty under those suit jackets. Yeah, and then you get, you know, a uh, ring around the collar. Yeah. Now try whisk. Ooh. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, um, oh, nine yards. It's not sponsored by whisk. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh, but, so he dances and flails his arms and his, he doesn't know it, but his cuffs fly off. Yeah. Because they're these disposable temporary cuffs. I guess. Okay. Then he gets about ready to sing and he looks at his wrist and it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and and then he improvises some goofy lyrics, but but the crowd really enjoys his, his uh, made up lyrics. Because they don't know. They don't know or whatever. I don't yeah. know. Whatever he said is funny. All right. So you get to that and you go, well, well, damn. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Right. I mean, it seems pretty solid. It seems pretty solid. And then it gets better because a Los Angeles Times article comments about it all. And you know how the journalists love to take a thing and then put it in the headline with some little quirky twist. Yes. Uh, so this headline is... Directors turn back time again. Shoot off the cuff. It was referring to, A, the way the film was made in that Charlie Chaplin sort of yeah. wings. Ha -ha. <laughs> the scenes, you know, gets an idea for the scene. And that, and, and sadly, this, this has become the way of the day again. 
where you just go, I got an idea and I think I'm damn funny and genius. Let's just roll camera and I'll come up with something. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of times it doesn't really happen, but they put it out anyway for us to watch. But you get to enjoy a lot of Vine stars. There's several, uh, several people. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah. The Vine. I'm talking about like a, a movie Full. or a show. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. Like, what's that one with the murderer thing, something? On I, Netflix? Yes. The the detective show. Yeah, I think so. Where where Will Arnett has the script but nobody else does or something like that. I don't know, but yeah. I, I I don't enjoy this technique. <laughs> um but anyway, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in this article, and this is nineteen thirty six, commenting on that film I just described, um, the end of the article ends like this. Incidentally, shooting off the cuff in quotes, means, in Hollywood vernacular, spontaneous action. So okay, they dis- they defined the idiom a little bit for you. Yeah, they threw in quotes. And suggest that it's you know, that it was a Hollywood thing. Yeah. And, and they needed to def- define it for non-Hollywood people. Is this an article about the Charlie Chaplin film, or this is a separate? Yeah. Okay. okay. It was an article, uh, you know, sort of a review, but like a, a, a backstory about the the way the film was made. Uh, yeah. Uh, in in a somewhat slipshod, spontaneous <laughs> way. <laughs> just roll. We got it. Yeah. Yeah. That system I was describing. Yeah. You'd think, oh, well, that's it. You know what happened? Charlie Chaplin drummed this up in the set and then said, hey, yeah, and then you say you'll write on it on the cuff and then I'll I'll lose my cuffs and then I'll have to, I'm all without my lyrics again. Yeah. And hilarity will ensue. Right, you'll laugh. You're like, oh, okay, he, he was trying to do a thing and then he lost his cuffs. Yeah. <laughs> he shot off his cuffs. Yeah. And they must have had like strings attached to them, you know, and then whenever he flails his arms in like a T-shape out each way, mm-hmm. they, you know, someone was there on each side to yank them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's fun to see. It's on there. Nice. But this goes back. I, I keep digging. Okay. And, and this article is really fun for uh, insidey stuff. I enjoyed this a lot. Didn't see it coming. There's an article in 1928 uh, written by this fellow, Alfred Cohn. You remember, 1928, there were s- silent films, but yeah. we were on the cusp of the talkie. Of the talkie. You know? Yeah. Films. And this guy, is I, he's a writer or a writer advocate or just an intelligent predictor of trends or human nature. Mm-hmm. When you make a silent film... Charlie Chaplin's technique worked really well because sometimes you didn't get the script for one day shooting till that morning or the night before and you threw most of it away and you sort of winged it. Yeah, there's that again. I need more of these. (laughs) Improvised. You improvised. But Alfred Cohn, this article just blatantly comes out and says it in the title, writer will come into own in sound film era. So he's kind (laughs) of... (laughs) <laughs> he's kind of saying oh this this talkie business you're gonna you need us now yeah because you can't be messing around flippantly with dialogue constantly yeah it turns out the fellow was right yeah but in this article in 1928 the superman of the megaphone that is the director of the silent film that he scorns the superman of the megaphone will no longer shoot him off the cuff after ostentatiously destroying the scenario. <laughs> so 
he had a bone to pick. Yeah. And he picked it, and his prediction is true. So he's using this in 1920s. 1928? Yeah. And didn't feel the need to define that either. No quotes. But I, I can go back. 1926, you right. understand. Yeah. And there is an article written about these uh, country boys that go to uh, Manhattan and... Um, My cousin Vinny. Nope, other way around. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and sort of enjoy it, but they aren't really forging a life for themselves. They're, they're just kind of, um, well, I'll read you uh, 1926. It is evident they have rushed here, hugging dreams of escaping the monotony of farm drudgery. Many will return to an earlier environment reconciled. I like that. Thousands are living off the cuff, or as we say up north, mooching. So oh. he sort of half defines it there, but yeah. but not doesn't really need to. But he thinks maybe it's colloquial, and he will say something about it. Um, that's nineteen twenty six, and nearly the earliest that I can find. There are little bits and pieces in between that suggest some uses in print before that, but it must have somewhere there in the early twentieth century begun to be spoken. And then it filtered into uh, the printed word mm -hmm. around there about the early twenties, but we don't have it. Uh, but but we can see it. We can see all that evolution. Yeah, eighteen seventy two was when the trend began that this company, Glen Paper Collar Company, they began making these uh, paper collars and cuffs. Yeah, eighteen seventy two. Is that what we said? 1872, Okay. over the course of their existence, produced 150 million disposable shirt collars and cuffs. Wow. And then uh, it, was a, it was sort of a fad that, that died out by the end of the century, though. By the end of the 1800s? By the end of the 1800s. Okay, so, right, so everyone would know these cuffs and collars exist, or had existed. The commander said, don't worry, I don't have the authority to kill you today. Which was positive, for that day anyway. In 1993, Chris Moon was captured by the Khmer Rouge while clearing landmines in Cambodia. With survival probability low, Chris was brought in front of the boss. He was just given a local nickname, Mr. Clever. Hi, I'm Steve Windus, host of the Batting the Breeze podcast. I'd love you to check out how Chris survived, along with some other great human stories at battingthebreeze.com. Hopefully see you there. Yeah, and no doubt people had started to use them in one way or another yeah. as a handy place to jot uh, some footnotes, especially if you were you had a suit on and were going up to give a speech at the podium. Oh, man. It was a handy place to sketch a couple yeah. thoughts down. And then afterward, from 1936 into the 50s, imagine it was a carryover generational habit. So there might have been some older people who still wrote on their starched linen collars yeah and i mean cuffs, cuffs. You um, to read occasionally yeah the collar that's an ambidextrous person this, there this mirror out uh but but it was pretty much really really dying and dead except uh in the idiom form which then grew legs to mean any uh spontaneous uh, top of the head yeah action like that Nice. Yeah, it seemed like a long definition, but it, it had a lot of story cool. to it, you know? Yeah. 
Wow. I, I just, I think I just learned the cuff thing last night, honestly. What do you mean? That they were their own pieces. I didn't realize that they were uh, like parts, they, they weren't part of the shirt. Yeah, and I think, you know, because that little like vest dicky that can hang around your neck and then look like the front of your shirt. Mm-hmm. Man, I would really need that because as we often talk about, like I sweat so profusely. So if I had to wear a suit all day, yeah. I would just have some breathable linen jacket and then the dicky and the paper. I'd even need to keep some backup paper collars in my pocket because they'd be all sweaty. <laughs> I mean, I would sweat through paper in a heartbeat, I feel like. But so were the collars? Because I mean, in like Abbott and Costello stuff and older cartoons like Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes and stuff, like you'll often see like the shirt roll up, you know what I mean? Like the front of their shirt roll up. Is that a part of the collar then? Like, so it wasn't a full shirt. It was like a dicky. Man, okay, this is just like opening so many doors I have to look into. Yeah, I, I think of it as three pieces, but yeah, I'm sure there were wondered... times that the collar and the dicky were one, but I, I think the collar, the dicky, and the yeah. cuffs, in all... some instances, were three different parts. Wow. Huh. And, and so you could be almost naked underneath it and get away with that as long as you don't need to take that jacket off. No, jacket off. Right. Yeah, I are are like uh, marching band uniforms are like that. They had that fake dicky, and then the polyester, everything else. So we were just oftentimes carrying a sousaphone in a parade. It gets hot out there. But I digress. That is off the cuff. What have you? That's really cool, and was a great story. Thanks. It's nice. I have, my first one. I'm gonna go with is uh, pajamas. Oh really? Pajamas. Which, uh... We don't really think... I don't really think about why do we call them that. I have seen this peripherally my whole life. Not, I, not the word pajamas, of course, that. But the, the actual definitions or whatever. So, I, and I couldn't put it together in my mind before I started looking. And then I, when I was obviously researching, I'm like, oh, right, this is, this is what it is. Uh, pajamas, a garment for sleeping or lounging. But almost specifically, it's a pants and shirt combination. You know? Yeah. Not, I mean, it seems to be, it, it gets to that. We'll get there. <laughs> I don't wear, I, I owned a pair of full set pajamas uh, once, I think. But I don't wear shirts to sleep. You know? Like pajama shirts. Right, I just wear a soft t-shirt. And I often times will make my pajamas, pajamas, uh, pants into like capri pants. I cut the cut the legs off. Like not all the way, but I, I get like a mid calf <laughs> and I cut them. Yeah, but you have your own specific issues. Totally, totally do. But it's nice. I'm just saying if if you're out there, you can totally cut the legs off your pajamas, everybody, and have a <laughs> have a freer, freer calf. <laughs> <laughs> if this is something you feel you if this need. is something yeah, exactly. I find it to to be quite lovely. because uh, you got like uh almost all pants, but you got a little bit of air. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, honestly, if you make pajamas without pockets, I'm not. I'm not even gonna wear them. Don't. Why are you selling these? But sometimes you don't. You don't know if you're not paying attention. No, I know. You, you don't know that you just bought pajamas no. without I mean, pockets. I mean, I learned early to check every time. But people will often buy them for you as presents sometimes, and you're like, "What?" Well, uh, sorry, I know that dresses never have pockets, so we are fortunate. Uh, I've being seen dresses no, they pockets. do have them, but not standard. I think you know we generally do have pockets. Anyway, I digress as well. Pajamas, you know, right? 
pajamas. Comfy. Well, that's exactly. Is it? Yes. Oh, so I was just doing what I do and and use the different vowels. So. You're, you you got it. Uh, Eighteen oh one pajamas or oh. or drawers, as we learned. You draw them up you your draw leg. Draw them up your leg. Uh, Eighteen thirty four in a pair of. I don't. I, it's spelled like pigamas, but I'm sure it's pajamas. P i g a m m a s a h s. Sorry, uh, in a pair of. Again, pajamas and a shirt. And then I saw, I personally like to say, and I don't know why I say this. I can't remember why I heard it. Somebody say it. I like to say pajama jammy jams. <laughs> and I don't know. I honestly can't remember why. I, I've heard it and it, it brought in my brain, but I can't tell you where. where. And there's a pie gym jams <laughs> from 1902. 1902. <laughs> so I was very excited to come across the pie gym jams because I love saying pajama jammy jams. But. As as you kind of alluded to, and as I also sort of knew peripherally, uh, the word pajama comes from, I mean, a few origins, but what we would refer to as Middle Eastern, Hindi, uh, Urdu, the language Hindi, the, the language Urdu, uh, and the Persian language. Pajama, P-A-E space jama, or pajama, P-A-I space jama. And they're all spelled very similarly, uh, which which re- literally translates uh, to leg clothing and it's been in use since the Ottoman Empire, which is the 13th century, at the very least. At the very least. Yeah. Um, jama or jama is apparently a, a long cotton gown, uh, what I saw worn by, worn by Hindus, Indian folks. For sleeping? Um, you know. Or maybe just a comfortable I think, garment. I think a comfortable garment. It's uh, it's made of uh, you know a co- comfortable flowing cotton or, or a light light fabric. The quote, 1776, um, just as he said, he had that instant made his escape, and I guess in doing his escape, uh, his jama was torn. J-A-M-M-A-H. Yeah, so, you know, what are pajamas? Pajamas are kind of, uh, as we know them today, sort of loose loose drawers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tied to the waist with a drawstring. Yeah. Uh, And they were worn India, Iran, Pakistan, Bangladesh, back in the 13th century. Um, some, it says some were worn with, uh, like a belted tunic, uh, extended to the knees. So almost like the tunic would be the pie part. So it became a combo. Yeah. Right. It, it does say that the word is, is a Hindi word, but these garments were found all over, uh, all over the Middle East and, and Far East as, as it was, <laughs> was labeled. <laughs> um, but how did we get this term, Jay? How, how did English get the term from India. Well, wow. <laughs> I imagine it was some English people it's, uh, yeah. went to India yeah, they, at some point. Exactly. Some sometime maybe in this uh, imperial England went through and colonized these countries. And they were like, well, what what is that? Because over here, we just wear nightgowns or bed shirts, if you will. Yeah, bed shirts. Yeah, which I definitely wore as a kid. Have long, like... You know, cartoon nightgowns or whatever. Why but, that? Why that big long Scrooge hat though? <clears throat> right. I don't. I mean, you don't wear it to sleep. I just maybe your head got cold. I mean, you know, you figure way back, you don't have central heat, so you're gonna, you know, only have to heat what you need and rooms you need and going through places might be a little chilly in in the chillier months. Do you need that big long hat? No, well, we'll get to that style. later. I mean, I, it's not a part of this. One. No, I know. <laughs> we'll have to do nightcap. Oh, I bet nightcap. Yeah, 
We'll, we could do that. We'll add Nightcap on the list. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, our European colonizers went to these countries, and they were like, well, that's cool. What do you got going on there? And they, then they, they adapted their own uh, nightgowns slash bed shirts and added a, added a set of pants to them, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how hard was that jump? I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like, if you 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 got it handled, right? You're like, I got a nightshirt. What else do I need? Until you learn what you need. You're like, oh, well, that looks even more better. Let's do the pants thing. You guys got it going on. Uh, these were introduced about 1870. So until 1870, you were just uh, nightgowning it up, if you will. Nightgowning it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Coco. So it was anything sorry. under there? If you no. It was just a big shirt, and then you were just, you yeah. know, just loose and free. That's what I saw in the uh, in the one the one place I was reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just, uh, you know, loose and free, as you said, because hey, well, you got extra clothes. <laughs> you know, you're gonna kick him off later. Like even putting the sheet on you at night, it's like oh, I'm so hot. Well, in some seasons, yeah, got to kick the leg out, and then the cat gets upset because the cat's nice and warm. You're like, but I'm sweaty. Sure, <laughs> and we all have different things. Yes. Coco Chanel introduced lounging pajamas instead of sleeping pajamas, I guess, in the 1920s uh, and revolutionized pajamas for women. Uh, After that, they became totally acceptable and fashionable alternative to the traditional long nightshirt, which I guess was still popular. Again, I wore a nightgown, I guess I should say. Nightshirt, if I don't want to, whatever, as a kid. Lounging pajamas. Lounging pajamas. Before 1950 which I miss, it was common for the pajamas to have uh, a butt flap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, man. Yeah, they're called... Um, they're called... Uh, it's a drop seat. Union suit. Oh, yes. They're the called union a suits. union suit. Right, I did know that. And that's like a one-piece thing with, a, with a, as you call it, a butt flap. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a good idea, but then logistically, you're like, is it a good idea? No, it, it had a lot of flaws. It seems, I yeah. I could look at it right now and point out some flaws. You're like, well, that's going to be a problem. I'll tell you <laughs> that right now. Yeah, when I have to don my union suit, if I'm digging in whatever, climbing through some stuff, you basically just have to unzip it and take the whole thing off. Yeah, which is a pain. It's just uh, and The whole idea of it was so that you didn't have to take things off. It right. was just convenience. Yeah. Um, I also saw that Japanese and Chinese folks, they have this shit figured out. They, uh, they're like, you know what? It's 5 p.m., it's pajama time, and I'm wearing pajamas wherever, whatever I'm doing. Like I don't care, and I'm like, yes, this is this is the freedom that we need. Because as soon as I go home, as soon as I go home, I as well. First thing, yeah. Shane is like, wait, you you already have what? You just walked in. I'm like, yeah. No one likes wearing pants. No one. Yeah, it is pretty much unless I have to do something else. But yeah, I mean, as soon as I get in the door, they're right there by the door. <clears throat> Honestly, like I, I'm not even gonna pretend they're right there by the door. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, pie pie jamas, p a i j a m a h s, loose trousers tied at the waist, uh, taken from Middle East uh, by European colonizers. Incredible. Used especially for nightwear. Yeah, I again, I wear pajamas. You know, pretty much most of the time when people don't see me. And you know, you've popped by my house, and I'll I'll be in my underwear. Sure. Uh, but yeah, we can get on our, our lounge clothes uh, and enjoy some of these ads. 
Allswell believes in the power of a good night's sleep for all. Their products feature innovative technology and unbelievable comfort and support without deflating your wallet. Combining the best of both worlds, the Allswell features hybrid mattress technology with memory foam and individually wrapped coils. For a winning blend of comfort and support, follow the link in the show notes for financing as low as 0%, a 100-night risk-free trial, free shipping and returns, and a 10-year limited warranty. Designed to make good sleep accessible to all. Real luxury, unreal prices. Allswellhome.com. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. Big Science Music is a can and one show award winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at bigsciencemusic.com. That's bigsciencemusic.com. Yeah, so that's something. Yeah, good, good ads, good information. Good. You could probably wear your pajamas uh, on that uh, Oswell mattress, maybe. You might put something on if you're going to the Roberto Clemente Museum. Yeah, you'd want to put... I mean, you know me. You can wear whatever you want, but yeah. Maybe, if you're coming to Big Science, maybe, I guess you wear whatever you want. Maybe you have a fancy 21 shirt. You Should might. make some lounge... Do they sell lounge pants at the Roberto Clemente Museum? I don't know about pants. I'll have to... Uh, of course, they do have the shirts. Yeah. T-shirts. Maybe they should stuff. expand. Yeah. To some lounge pants. Lounge pants. Well, speaking of lounge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our uh, dreaded L's. Yeah. I have um, lingerie. And someone might say lingerie. I was going to say lingerie. You know, because just like Duquesne, we remember how to spell it by yeah. Duquesne. Duquesne. And so lingerie. Perfect spelling. That's your lingerie spelling. Lingerie. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the nuts and bolts of it is significantly simple uh, and I'll uh, and I'm going to take you through that because uh, l- lingerie meaning linen underwear especially as made for women from French lingerie linen um oh it's a type of linen or no no okay but that's a british word meaning uh, these undergarments uh, so lingerie is, uh, we think of it as um, Victoria's Secret or something, you know, some, something uh, alluring. Yeah. But are you saying it's not necessarily that? Well, it is defined mostly as that uh, now, but I don't know that it has to be alluring, but that, or, or you know, uh, sensualized, colorful or skimpy or lacy. Mm-hmm. And you think of it in those sort of, satins or laces kind of things yeah yeah let me let me just walk you through this because it's um it's more of a just etymological (laughs) definition right bootsy every time way back we're talking 15th 16th century there's a french word lunge it's l-i-n-g-e lunge all right and this meant cloth linen Boom, linen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It evolved. Here's just the funny thing about it. And I guess as we got closer into, say, 20th century, we'll see why it may have made the 
metamorphosis that it did because it was simply linens washables that you any clothing that any, you would clean any clothes that you could clean yeah okay they have a, a phrase uh, to do the laundry is fire le linge fire le linge oh. that's my best my best effort at that so you're doing the wash this is something that you can wash and linen a linen washable uh, more specifically yeah now in the 1800s it came to be thought more of as the linen room the room where you washed and kept linens yeah so when you would hand wash and keep certain things in the linen room it became more apparent that what you would keep in the room there were the more delicates or the, the more privatey clothes mm-hmm. uh privatey that's a word look it up those are my privatey clothes <laughs> don't go in there <laughs> oh now you've seen it um so the brits get a get a look at this and they decide they they like this and the french had already sort of converted this this room was the lingerie yeah you know did not put that together so the brits hear this and see this and go oh in that room are those articles of clothing yeah those privatey things <laughs> those hand washable delicates sure so that is lingerie it is private delicate hand yeah, washables right and of story right yeah then once that in and we're talking this is the 1920s british english when we first see this emerge yeah that quickly evolves into a category of clothing marketed then flipped around and called lingerie lingerie not yeah. just women's undergarments or yeah like specific. Yeah. So it really just did a, a little evolution in French and then jumped to the English. And when it jumped to the English is when it uh, was defined. But there's not a lot of complexity about it. Is, is there a bunch of story I could tell about the lingerie museums and when people wear them and when they don't and what they are? Yeah. Uh, but how they came to be called that yeah is is this path uh so it was linen it yeah. was french linen for a long time then uh more delicate uh washables then the room that you washed those in and then jumped over to uh british just meaning that women's uh delicate undergarments and then that goes back to to france again right i mean then lingerie is is that it's not laundry anymore right yeah wow. uh i don't know that if we go to france now yeah. and ask to see the lingerie that they will bring us to a room yeah with uh, a washing they, machine. they might just go in and, and get some uh, skimpy clothing out yeah either or <clears throat> you're gonna get an answer sure I don't... I mean, you said specifically women. Uh, is there men's lingerie? Yeah. Like, is there? I mean, yeah. we have like little shorts and stuff, I guess. But. Um, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I, uh, obviously now, everyone does everything for everybody. Sure. And uh, so there is a category like the one that you described and many other categories. Yeah, they got the little, the little Speedo guys. I know those. Uh, but, I mean, uh, there's some fancy stuff out there. I wouldn't mind feeling fancy. <laughs> <laughs> look it up. I I uh 
I, like many guys, look ridiculous feeling fancy. And I don't know that I feel great. I like no. certain I like certain uh, things uh, in certain ways. Sure. You know, we all I mean, it's long, things, right. Yeah. It's all about you feeling good about yourself. Yeah. So whatever that takes. Yeah, I, I dig it. It takes a lot. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you? All right, so we're uh, we're coming out of the laundry room, I guess, and uh, we've got a whole basket full of duds. Oh, duds. Duds. As in, yeah. Just clothes. Yeah, the the uh, the people who launder my shirts. Oh yeah, duds and suds. Duds and suds. Duds and suds. Duds and suds. Yeah, but we just know what that means. It means clothes and soapy soap. Salt, soap. Yeah, and that's that's what we want. We want soap on our clothes. Yeah. All right then. Um, I'm gonna take us backwards in time, uh, like you did earlier. We're gonna start in uh, 1609. Mm. Uh, the pamphlet. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Lanthorn and Candlelight is, is the title of, of the pamphlet. Um, by, this was a leaflet that might be distributed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by Thomas Decker. Uh, we will filch some duds. We will filch some clothes. That's the def- you know definition. Of What's it. filch? Filch. Uh, I think it means steal. Uh, right? I don't know. I, I don't thought know it meant steal. Filch. Yeah. F I L C H. Uh, duds here is spelled D-U-D-D-E-S. Um, so that's fun. Dudes. Uh, 1425. Uh, man, it's... Uh, this is... Uh, Lacerna pallium fimbratium a cowl, a dud, <laughs> or a gown. G-A-W-N-E. This is some kind of Latin? <clears throat> yes. 1307, though, we keep on moving, an entry in what's called Bolden Buke. Uh, it says a survey ordered by Bishop Hugh Pudsley. And this is Latin for sure. Uh, and it says things that I don't, I don't know. It says, Dudus emptis ad paperes. Paperes? But it's a number first, uh, XXVJ. <laughs> but it's, it says in the 26 duds bought for the poor. It was like a, um, what have you, an accounting book type of thing. I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 26 duds bought for the poor is the Latin, is the translation from Latin. So they're, they're called, it's an art article of clothing or a clothing suit. 1300s, duds. 1300s. Cloak, uh, Sort of clothes, yeah. Ragged clothes comes in later, but 1300s, we're talking about cloaks and clothing and types of garments that cover our, our, uh, our meat sacks. The, the specific origin kind of starts, stops around there. They don't know how, how much farther back, but uh, there's an Old Norse word and a Low German word that are very similar. A Low German duddle, and the Old Norse is, has a cool thing. D U, cool D I, <laughs> <laughs> cool D, cool D. Uh, that's how they call it, I think. It's cool uh, mode. It looks like duddy, um, but it's it's probably not that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of always meant meant uh, clothing of sort. I, I saw on uh, the Grammarphobia website um, that 
it doesn't translate to any kind of uh, ragged clothing uh, until like 16th century, 1560s, 1550s. And then... I never thought of it as being ragged. I also didn't think that, but we also say dud a lot. I mean, you know, the word dud exists in our language oh, from like this a, to mean like something that's not that failed or something that didn't work right yeah. or something that is like fell flat that didn't that didn't work that was a dud yeah a my lot jokes. of my jokes yeah firecracker <laughs> they are duds not well made right exactly yeah I, I guess it doesn't really sort of that doesn't transition to like the early 1900s i guess essentially we're still talking about clothes uh and then ragged clothes in the 15th century, 1500s, I'm sorry, 16th century. And then 1900s, we kind of get to this uh, this dud meaning. Uh, it's not working. It's useless, inefficient, whatever. 1908, um, Westminster, Westminster Gazette. A dud car is a worthless contraption. And then World War I comes along and uh, we use dud to mean a shell that didn't explode. Or, or failed. It basically just failed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, that firecracker analogy. Right, exactly. And I guess we can cross off dud in that sense, too. We've got clothes, and now we've got the failure, because it sort of is a, a history. The first example that the OED tosses for dud in reference to like a human failure is um 1920s. He has been irritated by his schoolboy son derisively addressing him as an old dud. <laughs> but it seems like a parallel, non-connected definition. I think it it, it gets its way from the ragged. Like it, we really do transition from clothing, just generally clothes, to ragged clothes, to something that's not working or something that's that's you know there's more history in there i'm sure that i didn't i didn't pull because it's not related but yes there's a little bit more because we held on to clothing and duds and suds exists today and they don't think my shirts are ragged. failures right exactly or, or right. failures yeah. no no right or maybe we, they do <laughs> why do you buy this <laughs> these failing Ooh. shirts well yeah. that's because we still we go through this this as through the years if you will uh a duddery in the 1550s becomes a place where rags are kept for sale <laughs> and a dudman in the 1670s is a scarecrow made of rags <laughs> the dudman <laughs> and then duddy uh 1725 kind of care kind of tosses in this this ragged and tattered connotation to it as well um i did see that uh, I mean, I say duder, but it's dudder. Dudder and dudsmen are uh, are people who sell articles of clothing. <laughs> ah. And I looked in one of my favorites, the slang jargon and cant dictionary, because dude is right there. Like dud, dude. It's spelled. You know, you're missing a d. Whatever. It's two d's at the end now. Dude is is just one d. Uh, dude in slang jargon and cant dictionary is described as an overdressed man. Then. I saw this word that says or masher, which apparently means like someone who's dumb. Masher? Masher. What's that have to do? Well, I'm just saying it's in the definition. Right. Uh, an overdressed man or masher. Um, and then it goes on to describe the difference between a dude and a dandy. Where well, they, we covered dandy. Right. I'm saying they, 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 uh, they are not the same. 
A dude is not a dandy. No. They may wear fancy clothes, but apparently dudes aren't uh, as smart as a dandy, perhaps. <laughs> ah. You know? Yeah. That's That was the context that I was reading. But why the, are dudes like cowboy affiliated? Well, they, similar times. I guess this uh, slang jargon and cants like late 1800s, so we would definitely have the cowboys. And they called people dudes, I know, uh, because of how they were dressed I, now that I believe. I was like, oh, that's cool. So that's why we call cowboys dudes, because they've got schmancy clothes on. Interesting. But then I saw the brainless part, and I was like, well, that's not right. They're not brainless. Mashers. It might have been like a guy that wears fancy clothing. Also, maybe this too. But yeah, duds uh, have kind of always meant clothing as far back as, as we can find. See, I like the two Ds because yeah. the two Ds make the U a small U. Right. One D, you'd think it's a dude, long U. Or right, it'd be dude. Yeah. Right, exactly. So the two Ds, D-U-D-D, is more right. That's where we started. I mean, 1300s, we're spelling it D-U-D-D-E. And we got too lazy to write an extra D. And then you're like, ah, what's he saying, dude? Yeah. Yeah, duttery, all those all those words that I mentioned, uh, dutter, they're all double Ds. Duddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, duddy has the ragged, tattered, whatever. That's duddy. Duddies and suddies, and then suds sometimes means beer, but we won't get into that right No, that's a different one we'll do, maybe. Different one. That's a good idea. But there's a laundromat with a beer garden next to it. That's also duds and suds. That'd be great. Yeah. Like attached. Like you could just do, throw your laundry in the stuff, go next door, and have a beer. I mean, laundromats are great because you can do all of your laundry at once. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You Unlike, just need something to do with your time. Right. Hopefully, other than, than sit on your phone for three hours. Yeah. 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 So there you have it. Close. If you've got it, come and get it. If not, we'll see you next time when we play The Daily Number. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 863, that was my grandma's number. If anyone wants to know. Ah, uh, now was... everyone's going to play that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, this is a good thing. Yeah. That we've covered all these clothing articles. Yeah. And I feel pretty good about it. Hit us up, please, on Instagram. When you do that on Instagram, you'll look for us at Whole Nine Yards. Pod. Pod. I see. Yes. I shouldn't be doing this. That's all right. I'll let, I'll let it roll. Go ahead, no. And then also on the Twitter and the Reddit, Whole Nine Yards Pod. The nine's a number. Nine's a number. Yeah. And on Facebook, uh, Mimi is... Whole Nine Yards Podcast. With Nine's a Number. Nine's a Number. Yeah, yeah. hit us up. Make us know that you're uh, alive and thinking about words and phrases, uh, clauses, and uh, and what, what you'd like us yeah. to cover and everything. Yeah. Right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I feel pretty good. Do you? I feel great. All right. So I'm Jay. And I am Ray. And we're, we're not, not idioms. Whole Nine Yards is written, recorded, and produced by Big Science Pods. Learn more at whole9yards.org or contact Whole Nine Yards by emailing heyyou at whole9yards.org. That's heyyou at whole9yards.org. Whole Nine Yards theme music composed by Big Science Music.